Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we're back with a bang after suffering quite the hangover from the Steadfast Conference. With over 95% of Australians vaccinated and inserted with 5G chips, cybercrime is on the increase and insurers have a problem. Not as much of a problem as anti-vaxxers will have with that joke, but unusually they're in the majority on this one. No one likes my jokes. We have the usual stories about the latest updates on the reinsurance pool and the business interruption case that still won't go away. But there's different and improved news for Lloyds, which may also bring good news for the local industry. Hello everyone, on a slightly subdued pod this week, our steadfast royalty, Chairman Terry McMullen and Editor John Deeks, while Wendy Pugh was left holding the fort. Morning, Terry. Good morning. All the important people were there at the Steadfast Conference, weren't they? Uh, well, yes, John and I were there. And uh, yes, there were. There, it was a, a great opportunity to, to catch up with, with a lot of people that we haven't seen for a very long time. Excellent, excellent. Hello, John. Uh, you enjoyed yourself, didn't you? Yes, I did. Um, it was really fantastic to meet a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years, but never met. So I think that was great. And hello to Wendy. Oh, hello, Andrew. Wendy, what do you have to do to get an invitation? What do I have to do? Well, I actually was quite happy at home holding the force. Me too. I mean, it's not sour grapes or anything. So on to the main stories this week. John, the Insurance Council has released a discussion paper on cyber. What is it trying to say? Uh, yes, that's right. It's a very detailed report report from the Insurance Council published yesterday, where they go through all the problems that we've got with cyber. And, and there are many, I'm afraid, as we've reported several times, spiraling amount of ransomware is causing issues and premiums are going up and insurers are, are less keen to underwrite the risk. So there's, there's, there's a collision course uh, ahead, perhaps, and the Insurance Council wants to get ahead of the game. So they put out this paper suggesting a, a number of ways in which we can keep cyber a sustainable product, because it is hugely important in this day and age, as we know. So it goes through various, various issues, such as ransomware, and the payment of ransoms, which um, obviously is a fraught issue with some believing that insurers shouldn't be allowed to reimburse ransoms. But uh, Insurance Council says that logic is flawed. You know, ransoms only make up a small amount of the, the claim payment. And if uh, insurers weren't providing coverage, the criminals would just look at other ways to measure how much they 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 push for in ransom such as how much money's in the bank or what the bank overdraft is and that kind of thing there's also acts of war to consider obviously with the current situation that's very topical the lack of data is a big issue we can't the industry can't really model cyber properly because there's not enough data so there's all these ways the report's very detailed have a read through it basically the industry's trying to get the government and businesses to come together with it to work out how we're going to keep cyber sustainable going forward well it's a big business i mean it's not you know cyber commerce is uh is becoming bigger and bigger. Something does need to change, or we're going to have another insurable risk on our hands, aren't we, Terry? Well, we've seen the, the damage that ransomware attacks can do and have been doing for years, and they do become more and more sophisticated as time goes by. And we certainly shouldn't think that it can't happen here. Certainly with the world and the state it's in at present, there's an escalating risk of cyber attacks launched from aggressor countries like Russia too. But this is like any major and continuing threat, whether natural or man-made, that there has 
to be mitigation to reduce the risk. And the first thing you need to do is is understand the risk. And I, I don't think that there's very many organisations in Australia that do understand that at present. ICA is basically saying everyone needs to work together on ways to counter cyber attacks through stronger and, and more secure systems and better understanding. So, yes, cyber insurance does risk becoming unaffordable, but, but there are ways companies of all sizes can better protect themselves. And there's a need for better mitigation measures and for companies to have adequate insurance in place. I think, you know, SMEs as well as big business, we're all vulnerable. Well, when the Senate inquiry has published its report on the cyclone reinsurance, Paul, run us through the key points on this, please. Um, Yes, well, they had a day of uh, hearings and they uh, received 22 um, submissions. Um, And the the committee basically just recommended that the bill should be passed based on the fact that there's going to be a first review in 12 months and then um, subsequently. So problems and issues can be ironed out then. And Treasury officials appeared during those hearings and seemed to reassure them on this lack of um, transparency around the modelling. You know, a Green senator on the committee said that they, they would be seeking um, amendments to um, include flooding from the start of the pool, which would you know cover events such as we've seen in New South Wales. And down the track, they'd like to see it extended to, to other natural catastrophes. So does that mean that flood's going to be included or, uh, or not? No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't seem so. I mean, I, I, you know, it would be unlikely the Greens would get that amendment through, I would have thought, because Labor, Senate, Labor uh, senators said on the committee that they, they supported the bill and, you know, they raised a few reservations, but there was no indication that they would, um, you know, turf it out to ensure these sort of amendments got included. Speaking of uh, flooding, John, where are we up to in terms of losses from the recent catastrophe? Yes, well, the, the ICA has stopped doing daily updates, unfortunately, but um, the last update they did put out was on Friday and that was 163,853 claims and that is an estimated value of 2.45 billion. Um, so it's really, it's really reaching quite a high level now. Going to be one of the worst uh, catastrophes on the ICA's records and possibly the worst flood event. Unfortunately, there is more bad weather about in, in New South Wales and Queensland. I was looking at the news earlier and um, there's more evacuations going on. So um, I don't know whether if... <laughs> If this turns into a big claims event, whether they start a new catastrophe or just uh, continue adding to this one, I'm, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it's not great news. La Nina is continuing and continuing to have an effect, it seems. Quite the singing in its tail. Speaking of sting in the tails, another of your favourite topics, Wendy, COVID-related business interruption claims. As we suspected slash feared, the legal battle still isn't over, is it? No. Well, um, two of the policyholders and one of the insurers involved in the ICA second um, test case have sought leave to appeal in the High Court. And separately, the Star Entertainment Group is also seeking to appeal against a full court decision that went the way of insurers in in its case. But the, the High Court sets a high bar for the cases it's willing to hear. So it might look at the paperwork um, and toss out these applications, or it might hear oral arguments on why they should even take a look. Then the ICA has indicated it could be three months before it's determined if the High Court will hear appeals on any of these matters. And if it does look into any of them further, that means the process goes on for an even longer period. Terry, surely the industry just needs to move on from this now. 
Oh, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> but I, I've spoken to a few of the insurers involved about this, and, and while they also are feeling a bit of ennui from the way that this has dragged on, the, the fact is that there are issues that, that require clarity, and that's fair enough. There are important aspects that are, that are still not really agreed or settled. Uh, some of the verdicts that we've got from various levels have opposed each other. And so when you think about it, the High Court seems the logical arbiter to provide the, the final word. So, yeah, we're, we're going to be seeing this for a while if the High Court agrees to take it. Well, there are some pretty big changes at QBE, John. Who's doing what? Yes, that's right. QBE has made some changes to its Australian division and it's put it into two broad customer segments, consumer and business. And this is all part of uh, efforts to enhance customer value. Former GM for partnerships and specialty, Elliot Hill, is uh, now MD business and he'll have responsibility for uh, the segment previously known as commercial lines. Personal Lines Chief Customer Officer Eleanor DeBell has been appointed to MD Consumer. And Jason Clark, who was Chief Customer Officer Commercial Lines, he's moved to report directly to the group CEO, Andrew Horton, to help create a global distribution function. All these changes, unfortunately, mean the departure of Phil White, who's a long-serving employee of QBE. He's been there since 2006. He was the Chief Customer Officer, Credit Lines, and CEO of QBE's Lenders Mortgage Insurance business. And he'll be leaving as part of these changes because Lenders Mortgage Insurance now comes under the MD consumer role. So... Yeah, quite a few changes there. Andrew Horton hasn't been in the country long. Is this the first sign of uh, him making his mark, Terry? Good question. Look, the, the reorganisation of the Australian business into, and, into commercial and, and consumer lines is pretty logical. It follows pretty much the the uh, the pattern that, that's been adopted by the, the two major insurers. When he first started at QBE, Andrew Horton made it clear in an interview with Insurance News that, that he wanted to work on ways to provide a global distribution function so it can leverage off the, the expertise and knowledge of its operations around the world. That seems a, a pretty good move. If you can pull it off, it's not always easy. We've seen other companies try this, but really QBE should be making more locally of its, uh, of its global expertise. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's certainly a, a big change. And finally, we take a look at Lloyd's. Wendy, their results from last year are much improved, aren't they? Uh, yes, um, they've achieved quite a turnaround. Um, Lloyd's reported a profit before tax of £2.3 billion, which compares to a 2020 loss of £900 million. Uh, GWP increased to £39.2 billion, and the combined operating ratio improved to 93.5%, showing their underwriting is profitable again. But their, their representative here in Australia, Chris McKinnon, says the local business performed strongly with GWP rising uh, nearly 13% to uh, $3.4 billion. So um, Lloyd's did flag that the war in Ukraine is likely to be a major claim to the market this year, but the business underwritten by Lloyd's market in Ukraine, Russia and Belarus currently represents less than 1% of Lloyd's global footprint. Terry, does Lloyd's act as a bit of a bellwether for the rest of the industry? Oh, bellwether, there's a word. Look, in, in some ways, but, but 
not always. Uh, Lloyd's is a significant part of what is, after all, a massive global industry. You know, what happens there does, uh, to some extent, flow onto the Australian market. But the, after some really, really rotten years, um, Lloyd's is really moving swiftly into the 21st century under John Neal. And I wouldn't be surprised to see some quite substantial changes happening to the, that London-centric model I've always had. I, I think we're going to see some changes happening in, in the Australian area as well that will be led by Lloyds. But as to whether it's a, a bellwether for the rest of the industry, well, you know, let's hope so because the market's looking up at last and uh, hopefully that will be reflected in the, in the local market as well. Well, rumour has it a number of Lloyd's key people were uh, bending your ear uh, at Steadfast. So uh, you're obviously keeping your powder dry for uh, future announcements there. My lips are sealed. And on that note, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight podcast. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Terry McMullen and Wendy Pugh. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, on all your favorite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.